In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you because we have something good prepared for us. Thank you because as we begin to share this word, it, have, it has a clear path into our hearts. We'll receive understanding today in the name of Jesus. Amen. And let's declare that word. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. Now spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. All right, understand is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe it, receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, can you greet ten, okay, six people and tell the person, understanding is your portion. You are blessed today in the name of Jesus. Make sure you, are, you greet at least six people. All right, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, the, the last person beside the person, you are an agent of light. Therefore, arise and shine. Tell to somebody else beside you, you are an agent of light. Don't be silent. Don't be hidden. Don't be obscure. Arise, shine. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right, the Lord is good. All right, the book of Isaiah chapter 60. I just want us to read that again. We began last time to look at that uh, subject of shining as people of God. As the people of God, we are the ones that um, get his counsel, his purpose done on the earth. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Now, when you arise and you shine, nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That is, they will come. If you don't arise and shine, I'm adding words now, nations will remain in darkness. They will have nowhere else to go. They will be moving around in confusion. They will be in pain, be in confusion, be in trouble. They will have nowhere to go. If God is going to help them, what he does is to light upon somebody. He said, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The way by which God puts his glory upon people is to give them understanding. He forgives their sins. Do you get my point? He redeems them. It is when he forgives their sins. It's when he makes them wise with his wisdom. When he has done these things, the people are now full of the glory of God. They are full of the light of Jesus Christ. Then they become light for other people. In him was life. And that life was what? The light of men. 
So when God wants people to shine, he pours the life of God, the life of Christ is poured into them. Then they become the agents for shining light into darkness. Let's understand it again. Darkness is the normal order of things. You know, those days when we were studying elementary chemistry, they taught us about um, entropy, the law of entropy. And they said disorder is the normal order of things, which is why I can't believe in evolution. It makes no sense. Because the same people that want to teach me evolution, that life came out of nothing, they told me that disorder is what? The normal order. It's the natural order of things. Things always remain in disorder. Until an external force acts upon it and compels order into it. Like David Paulson will say. He said when he was a chaplain in the Royal Air Force, he was supposed to be a chaplain over people that were not Catholics and were not Anglicans. Once you were not a Catholic or an Anglican, he was your chaplain. So that meant that if you were a Buddhist, <laughs> he was your chaplain. If you were a Hindu, he was your chaplain. And if you were an atheist, he was your chaplain. So he said many people will come to him and they will say, and they will say they are atheists. And let me not go into details. But he will tell the person, you have more faith than I have. That your faith is bigger than mine. You mean you are able to conceive the idea that all these things that we see came out of nothing. So your faith, your faith is strong. So I don't have that, kind, that level of faith. The level I have says that things that I can see, some, the order is too much. Somebody must have put order into it. Are you getting my point? That's just the way it is. All right? And of course, you now have a long discussion with the people. And when you tell them, that, well, since you don't believe in God, when you die, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to sing a hymn. I'll just say, there goes another one, and they will bury you. He said he realized that many people are happy to live as atheists, but they're not happy to die as one. <laughs> When he tells them that, they will protest. Say, ah, why? You won't prove my dead body? Say, no, you don't believe in God. What use is it? <laughs> anyway, the point I'm making is this. So disorder is normal. Disorder is normal. Now, so you see, it is not an unusual thing for you to have darkness around you. It's not strange. It's a natural order of things. Everywhere you find order, somebody has consciously put light into that environment. The person may not be celebrated, but he has done it. The person may not be known, but he has done it. Order doesn't just come out of nothing. Whether you know who did it or not, many people are there. They don't believe there is a God. All right? But doesn't change the fact that the fact that they are breathing. They can open their mouths and breathe. All right? Talk through their mouths. Breathe their life. Their hearts are beating. Is proof that there is God. That's just the way life is. Darkness is normal. If you find headsmen attack in Nigeria, it's a normal thing. There should be headsmen attack. If you find Lassa fever outbreak, like it's currently going on, it's a normal thing. It should happen. This earth shouldn't, people shouldn't live on this earth for this long. They should have been wiped out long ago. That's a normal thing. So if they are still here, somebody consciously put order into it. Are you getting my point here? If we are still here, it is because somebody deliberately put order. When God, at the beginning... That's how, look, the Lord knew what he was doing when he didn't tell us any other story before he talked about the darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what did he say? Darkness was, he said, and then the earth was what? Without form and void. And darkness was upon the surface of the deep. Everywhere there was disorder. 
there was darkness. So the first thing he did was to put light, which means that now when we come encounter disorder, it is not time to run. It is time to do what? Put light. And what I'm saying again is that God wants to bless. I found out he wants to reclaim every inch of this earth. Why? Because it belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to him. So when he finds disorder, he doesn't just run away. He says, all right, let me introduce light. That's what we began to look at last time. And how does he introduce light? He says, all right, I will take somebody. I will take somebody. I will take some people. I will pour my light upon them by first of all giving them the glory of Christ in their lives. When Satan wants to put people in the darkness, he blinds them so that they do not see that glory of Christ. That's the only thing they can do. Because once God pours the glory of Christ into them, light comes with it. In him was life, and that light, life was the light of men. Then they are lighted. God now says, I didn't light you up like this so that you can enjoy yourself. All right? What I did was to light, put light into you, put my glory upon you, so that you can go out now and do what? Spread the light. So anytime you find darkness in a nation, it means the lighted people are negligent. Are you getting my point? The people that have the glory of God are not doing their jobs. They are not. And listen, I've said this again and again, and I will not not stop saying it. The major problem God has, you know, (laughs) Paul wrote and said, Demas has departed from me. Now, that is the reason why the Lord allowed that to come into our scriptures. That's a normal thing. That's a common thing. That is, they must fall in love with this present age and run to Thessalonica and then deprive the people that need his light of the light that he's carrying. And when you ask Demas, what are you doing in Thessalonica? He will say, too much darkness where Paul is staying right now. Paul is saying to Demas, in effect, what is the problem? You've forgotten that the reason why you have light is so that we can shine in darkness. So there is not, it's not a strange thing that we are in the place that is dark. We measure our progress by how much light we bring into that environment. You know, I've been thinking about it. Listen, I was studying Ecclesiastes again because I'm trying to put um, the things we taught together into a small commentary, a small book, you know, on the book of Ecclesiastes. And I realized that, listen... I was just reading it again. I realized that Solomon, you read that thing very well. He was talking to people and said, listen, if you have to look at life as if there is nothing after death, that's when you'll be living like, let me enjoy myself. That's what Solomon was saying. Then we found that as, as believers, we can't live like that. We understand as believers that one day we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ Jesus. Every believer. Every believer. And we will give account for what we did in the flesh. We must. I think we should remind ourselves of that. And let us understand that grace does not cover it. I, I don't know what I get my point. When I say grace doesn't cover it now, he will not say, okay, you didn't do what I told you to do, so grace covers it. Come into the joy of thy Lord. No. Everybody will give account. When you are reasoning in life, that's how you should reason, you know? I've heard people say things like, eh, I'm suffering too much here. And I'm like, look, suffering is good. Suffering is one of our callings. We are supposed to suffer for Christ. The only thing that God asks is, why are you suffering? 
If you are suffering because you stole money and they put you in prison, God said that one does not count towards your eternal salvation. It doesn't count towards your reward. You are suffering justly. So Peter said, listen, bear it in mind. Make sure that your troubles do not come because you are a lawbreaker. Make sure that your troubles don't come, okay, because you do what is wrong. It is suffering. Ah, suffering is normal. Why are we making so much noise about the person of Paul? It's because he agreed to suffer. And when he gave his life to Christ, oh, is it not interesting? What was the first thing he said? He said, no, what was the first thing he said to Jesus? What do you want me to do? You know what we preach is this? What will you give me to eat? Yeah, that's today's Christianity. That's what we call grace a lot of times. A man gives life to Christ, and the first question is that, so what is God going to do for me? How is he going to give me money? No, when Paul gave his life to Christ, the first question is, what do you want me to do? He said, go and hang out out there. I'll talk to you later. Then he went and spoke to Ananias. Go and pray, meet that man. He's praying. Which one? Saul? Saul? The man, I've heard stories about him. I know what he's been doing. He said, don't worry. Right now he's praying. I have shown him what things he will suffer for my sake. That was normal. Now, today we are talking about Paul, 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 Paul. And we think that Paul bought his, his, the glory that's upon his name. He gave such a big tithe to the Lord. The Lord had to put his name in the Bible. He gave God a thousand bought offerings. And God shouted, Paul, <laughs> No, they said Solomon gave a thousand bought offerings. And God shouted, Solo. <laughs> no, no. Paul is the Paul we know today simply because the Lord told me, I've shown you many things you are going to suffer for my sake. That was one thing you couldn't use to dissuade the man. When they told him you are going to Jerusalem, which the Lord was not interested in his going. Honestly, I've read enough Bible to realize that God said, Paul, if you go to that Jerusalem, me and you will quarrel. But instead of them to make that clear to him, they were showing him that Agabus prophesied, you know, Agabus said that they will tie the man who was his, he said, is the only time. Why don't you see that they will cut the man who, who, who owns this ghetto? Paul wasn't impressed by it. He said they will tie him and this, this is how they will bind him. The Jews will deliver him. Oh, Paul says that all. That's all the vision you saw. And that's not the problem. None of these things move me. That's what he said. Neither do I count my life as dear unto myself. I'm just pursuing the goal, the assignment that God has given me. So what's the big thing about suffering? Alright? When he was going to talk about the of his apostleship, what did he tell us? How many times he was whipped? How many times he was shipwrecked? How he floated in the deep for 48 hours? How many times he will go without food? When he said in fastings often, people say it means that Christians are supposed to fast. Better don't believe God for that kind of fasting that Paul had. His fasting was not a fasting of discipline. It was a fasting of suffering. No food. That's why when you read modern translation, they don't use the word in fastings. Say often without food. People said that no, he said hunger and thirst. They now said in fasting. Read it near the context. Paul was not talking about spiritual discipline. He was talking about the afflictions that came upon him. That is, there are times or days there will be nothing to eat. He said, but none of these things move me. He wrote to the Philippians. I see you guys are bubbling the spirit, and I'm suffering seriously. 
I thank God for it. Because it means my life is counting. You are getting my point. So listen, what's the big deal we're talking about? You know, you know you've heard me say many times, and it's still annoying me till tomorrow. When people settle down and sit down and explain to you what is wrong with your country, and you think they want to talk serious talk. You know, there's a way an adult will talk. You're like, eh? And you're a Christian. And you're worried about Islamic invasion. Let people like you, which don't need Islamic invasion, we will go and beg them, build a mosque for us. They open their mouth, they want to talk. Can you imagine a country like this? There's no road. Is, it, is that what you're talking about? Can you imagine? No constant power. I said, oh, sir, sir, where is your factory? I can't even sleep at night. These are signs of you have spoiled. You are rotten. You have no good, no purpose, nothing you are pursuing. So can you imagine? Water is not flowing regularly. If the water does not flow, I draw it. You know, I love rainy season because I can pump water. Oh, God. Just, just put a switch, put on a switch inside the house. Boom. The pump machine kicks in, fills the overhead tank. And then we have fun, in, we have joy in the Lord. One day, my brother and I, DJ and I, this was many years ago. Like, seven, 16 years ago now. Yeah, 16, that about, 16, 17 years ago. We were living in Transaculo at that time. And we were watching, I think, Turning Point or 700 Club, one of the two. At that Turning Point or 700 Club. <laughs> and they said, coming up, you know the way they do before they go for a break, the way they will do it. When we return... Have you ever been without water for 24 hours? Meet a family that has not had water for a lifetime without talking to each other. The general looked at each other, fell down, and started laughing. Because actually, in some of those places, they don't understand that it is possible to turn a tap and water will not come from it. Some of them have, they don't know how to dip a bowl in a bigger bowl. Scoop water and have your bath. Really, and they are not bad people. Are you getting my point? Now, just by the way, you forget that was what their grandparents did. Just what you are doing was what their grandparents did. They use the, go and check their old books. They will show you. Not a big deal. But the point I'm making is that with all the challenges, what is the big deal? I've written all many books. I'm still going to write books. At least two books will come out this year. Right now, there are 18 floating out. No flowing water. Or I have to flow it by myself. I mean, we're getting genius. No constant power. You come to my house, I have three generators, different sizes. We get, we're getting genius. You're sitting out here. When, have you noticed that as soon as power goes off here, we just pause for like five seconds. No, get my point. As we are talking now, our generators are on downstairs, even though we are not using them. Once you see that red light, this is working. The point I'm making is this. Despite the challenges, we keep doing what we have to do. There is no month eh, that a few thousands of our books are not downloaded from our website, even though the man that wrote it, they wrote them, doesn't have constant power. There is no month that thousands, thousands, thousands of our messages are not downloaded from our website, even though the man that preached them doesn't have constant water. There is no day we don't get meals, or let me say week, you get serious meals, 
or people thanking God for the day they discovered pastor.ng. Yet, the people who put this together, all of us that do it together, put the magazines together, edit the messages, upload the messages, you know, upload videos, do all of those things. Nobody has constant power. Nobody has constant water. Nobody has constant road. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> when you like, when, I mean, you go into my house, you drive smooth road from here. Smooth, uh, once you get to Goshen Gate, you're on your own. <laughs> no, the Lord is with you, actually. <laughs> you turn, it's dusty road. That's what I mean by no constant road. That's it. That has not in any way stopped us from doing what we are supposed to be doing. It doesn't. We keep improvising. We keep improvising. But we will not slow down and refuse to do the thing that we are supposed to do. That's why, you know, that, you know I began by saying that when someone, when you hear adults talk, you're like, is that the complaint you have? Is that the complaint you have? Like, I imagine, you know, and I have no power in our house. I said, look, I said, your grandfather cannot identify a light bulb. He never saw one. So what are you talking about? Listen, when you want to define how you should live your life, define it according to purpose, not according to comfort. What is the big deal about suffering? Let me tell you the truth. When you get to heaven, you, you will bite yourself. Some of us, the way we behave. Because what you call suffering you will realize it is not suffering. It's not. One of the habits you must have as a believer is how to look at what you have and be grateful for those things. Sat my kids down one day. I said, what are the things you would like to have right now? We're just we're having a Bible study. Each person speak. The person say, well, I want this. I want this. I would like to have that. I said, good. So you don't have those things right now. Unless I assume you're not going to get them in a long time. I said, but now let us start counting the things that you have. Yeah. We sat down there and we're there for a long time. I have my own bed. Oh, I have a house to live in. I have breakfast. I get p- taken to school and picked from school. I have books. They don't chase me from school because my parents have not paid school fees. I have brothers. I have a sister. The girl couldn't say that. Because she has only brothers. <laughs> and they kept on talking. And we sat down there, we kept on counting. I said, You see, you can sit down here and be sad. Because you, ne- you focused on, I wanted the PS, the PS4 or PS whatever. I wanted the game, and daddy refused to buy. And you bend your head. What does that tell you? You're ungrateful. You are ignorant. You have not counted God's blessings. So my children got the point. So there's never any reason. We will never have any reason to be sad and angry. People complain about this, our dear nation. They make me laugh. See, you are, you are talking about Islamic agenda. Let me tell you the word of God. God said to his prophets that he has given Europe over to Islam. But you're rushing there. David Paulson said almost 15 years ago that the Lord told him, UK, he's an Englishman, at least British man, I'm not sure whether he's English or Scot- uh, Scottish, but he said the Lord told him that 
UK will become an Islamic country. You know, we behave funny. Yet we sit down here and be raising prayer points against Islamic agenda. Then we'll get visa to a place where God said, I'm going to make an Islamic country. We rush over there. And you're wondering why God doesn't answer your prayers. Because you know you're not serious. You don't believe anything. I'm not the one that prophesied it. David Paulson. Go to his website. You'll see teachings on how to live under Islamic rule. He's archiving it for Christians. So when we began to see the, the, the wave of migration, flooding Europe, the men will not go to Saudi Arabia. It's a stable country. Kuwait is stable. Bahrain is basically stable. But they don't face those areas. They will jump on ships and migrate to Europe. And then the Saudi king will go there and donate most to them. And I see people pass information up and down. Resist this, resist that. <laughs> I say, you are lying. If I gave you a visa to where God said, I'm making Islamic, you will go. I say, you are giving your children a brighter future to live under Islamic rule. They want me to join hands with you in prayer against the one in Nigeria. That's why I don't jo- Look, 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 look. I don't, I, that's when Christians are fought in the I don't listen to them. A bunch of unbelieving people. They're forwarding prayers to me, I should pray. They don't believe anything. They will sacrifice all of these things for a morsel of meat. They will. It doesn't make the news much. But the penetration of Islam into the UK, you wouldn't believe it. There are areas in the UK, you don't know, but there are areas in the UK that are run by Sharia. People don't know that. They just believe that uh, it will not get worse. It is getting worse. Why? It is a decree of the Almighty. So at least... I, don't, I, I didn't know I'll, I'll quote it, the information, so I can't give you accurate figures. But if a person gave the list, the number, no, not if a person, I think somebody else, gave the number of churches in the hundreds that have been converted to mosques over the last few decades. Hundreds of churches. You see an old cathedral, you open the door and go inside. They are saying Islamic prayers. And people have calculated. Ah, the day I had the person teach about it. In fact, one of my colleagues, one day once I went to Newell, one of the specialists in the hospital there, when they lounge, we're talking. He said he does not understand why the Islamic militants are bombing, that they want to advance Islam. He said they don't need to bomb, they need to be patient. That's what he said to me that day. He said, what are they bombing about? He said, this bombing is making the religion, you know, you know odious to people. He said, it's negative. He said, what they need to do is to be patient. He said, with patience, the whole of UK is following them. The whole of Europe will follow them. Why? He said, because men have lost direction. This guy was talking as if we listen to the same messages. I was not even sure whether he was such a vibrant believer. Didn't know him too much. And he was explaining to me, we're just talking that day. As if it was just under a, a, a spirit of prophecy. He said, one day he went to Joss. This was long ago. He and his wife. He said, when he saw what was going on there, he said, there's no way Islam will not take these people over. He said, they have become too morally decadent. He said, when people become morally decadent like this, God sends them Islam. And this, I was looking at this man that, which spiritual prophecy came upon this doctor? That's the one I saw the noise they make. Turkey was an Islamic country. I don't answer people. Continue the way you are doing. You think it's political fight? Anyway, the point I'm making is this. People will be forwarding a lot of those, some of those things up and down. Tell them, listen, you know the truth? 
they really don't believe. When you give them visa to where God has given handed to Islam, they will go. They will go. Why? Because we don't realize that our lives are not about the comfort that we have. We are light bearers. We are supposed to go and shine light. And sometimes, oftentimes, many times, it comes with suffering. It comes with difficulty. That's the point I'm making. Your life will be hard. That's the problem of light bearers. Have you ever seen a light bearer carrying light in the sun? So let's go and shine light inside the sun. It is when it is dark. So it's normal for him to be surrounded with darkness. When Paul was preaching, listen to me. Paul, why he understood what he was doing. People were in darkness. They were under oppression. Satan had lordship over them. Sin had dominion over them. And you are coming to the midst of them to deliver them and you think things will just be easy. No. In fact, all they are doing is making you hungry. It's the mercy of God. There's only hunger. Shipwreck. It's God's mercy. The fact is that you are attacking. Listen, go and check it. When Jesus will cast out demons, the demons used to go easy. And just be looking at them like this. He said, okay. Go in, you shall go. As for this making noise you are making, I will let you make the noise. So that boy that the father brought to Jesus when the apostles couldn't do anything. When Jesus rebuked the devil, the Bible says, if you use King James English, the Bible says he rent him sore. Taught the boy. Jesus was looking at him like this one. He will go. When he left, they thought the boy was dead. One man had been under oppression, the madman of Gadara. Jesus came to drive out the de- evil spirit. <laughs> the evil spirit said, ha. Ah. Now, the Red Prince said something. When they came to Jesus, let us enter the swine. He said, why did Jesus agree? The Red Prince believes that the reason why, he said he wasn't being dogmatic. He said that it was to soften their escape. I don't know whether you get the point. That is, if they didn't have where to go, that that man would have physically suffered. So Jesus said, to make it easy, give them a soft landing so that they will come out of the man without destroying the flesh. What am I going to explain? That when you are casting out oppression, casting out bondage, casting out, you know, satanic hold on people, it comes with suffering. It does. It's normal. If you see your life as a mission to drive out darkness. There are things you don't complain about. Much more trouble here than there. It's because, we, look, <laughs> Christians don't have, not enough of us have this mission mind, mission mindedness. We don't have it. If we had it, we would react to things differently. We would understand why missionary those days will leave his com- the comfort of Europe, North America, and come to Africa. We would understand. Because of the mission mind. They understood that, look, we are apostles of Christ. We are not people who just are supposed to settle down and just look at where life is easy and just be chopping as much as possible. Many times, what is the sign of our progress? What is the sign of our comfort? It is that life has now become easier. And I have a bigger house than I used to have. I bought a second car when I didn't have one before. 
And it's a sign of progress. Nothing wrong with private jets. I love a private jet if I could afford one if I was going anywhere. Why don't you like a private jet? You know the truth? Can't afford it. And I don't need it. That's why I don't like it currently. The time will come when I'll be able to afford it. And I will need it. And I will not explain to you why I bought one. Now, you say, what are you talking about? I'll tell you. I'm going somewhere. So I have nothing against it. I have nothing against it. That's what I'm going to emphasize. Okay? But it is not a sign that your church is making progress, that you have bought a private jet for your pastor. That's where I'm going. Because if, if I don't say this other one first, you think I'm criticizing. I'm not. Sometimes we fall over ourselves to prove that we are doing well using wrong parameters. When Paul wanted to prove that he was, a, he was an apostle, you know what he did? He listed all the suffering that he has suffered for the sake of the gospel. Say, so you think I'm not called? I'm called by God. How do you know? If you are called, how many have you been flogged? I don't know whether you're getting my point. So he bragged on the fact that he suffered. The first time they flogged Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, all those people. You know what they did? They came back rejoicing. He said, what Jesus said has come to pass. Andrew, did they flog you? Yes. How many, how many strokes? I got more strokes than you. Say no. Peter, come and count. How many strokes did they back? <laughs> now I'm joking. They didn't do that, but I'm not talking about the fact that they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. They counted it joy. That's the mission mindset I'm talking about that believers are supposed to have. I was saying something earlier. I know why I went to do that. Okay? That you find when you are driving out demons, they cause trouble. In the same manner, listen, God loves the African man. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, he does, he does. He loves the African man as much as he loves the Jews. Somebody say amen. amen. If you believe you do, not compulsory. If you believe what I have said, say amen. amen. If you believe that Jesus died for the African as much as he died for the Jews, say amen. amen. If you believe that God is as interested in Enugu as he is in Jerusalem, say Amen. amen. They're a real child of God. And some Christians, they don't believe that too. Say, no, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. Say, Donald Trump has not recognized Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. <laughs> People ask me, say, what do you think? I say, I don't think anything. Say, Donald Trump has recognized Jerusalem. I say, what do you concern me? Say, Jesus is going to come back there. I say, Jesus is not afraid of who recognizes who where if he wants to come back there. No, have you ever thought about that? So Jesus is going to return to Jerusalem. So Donald Trump recognizing it, he shows that Jesus is coming soon. I said, my friend, get away. If, if they build a mosque all over Jerusalem, and all the walls, eh? the walls of the mosque is the boundary of the city. That's to show how big it is. You know what is the, the Bible says about him? The mountains melt like wax at the coming of the Lord. So he doesn't care who is there. Who recognizes who does not recognize what? Tremble, O earth. That's what he says. So, Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem. He recognized Mecca. I don't really know. Honestly, this guy doesn't give a hoot. You know why I don't give a hoot? It's of no consequence. It's of no consequence. So, you know, the Lord loves Africans. Amen? And this is a matter of fact. We have said it again and again and again. These people, these African people, it's, it's a matter of fact based on scriptural interpretation and observing what has happened amongst them over the many years that we have been observing and history. 
they are all together, the whole continent, hmm? and the people that God gave it to, they are under a curse. What I call the curse of Noah. That's why they can't run a country. There's none. You can't negotiate them into running a country effectively. They don't have the capacity. Anytime they fight for freedom, they go down. Yeah, that's what happens. The British was running many of these countries. Things were okay. They fought for freedom. They went down. Sudan. The northern part was controlling the southern Sudan. They fought for freedom as, you know, since they got it. Since then, they've not had peace. They've been fighting themselves. Genocide today. Ethnic cleansing tomorrow. Meanwhile, the, not, the Arabs have left them alone. These other Sudanese, they've left them. Would it have been better if they had stayed where they were before? That's what I call the curse of Noah. That's just their life. There's nothing you can do about it. They are the slaves of the world. That's how it is. But let me not sit on that one for too long. I don't want to sit on it for too long. What I want to bring out is the fact that there is redemption in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. God has not removed the curse by itself. What he has done is to introduce a blessing beside it. And he says to the people, come out from the curse and come into the blessing. You know, I thought about something yesterday as I was driving. You know, discrimination, even though Barack Obama became president of the United States, he didn't improve against the blacks. I read this, uh, an article, I think on other Al Jazeera or BBC News, that many black Americans are actually relocating to Africa. Yes. That there are over 5,000 living in Accra, in Ghana. They are not rich people. Some of them are teaching in schools, rural areas. Why are you doing this? They said, this is one place I live in. One girl said, I grew up in New York. But when I came to Ghana, I realized I was not a second-class citizen. So an American now lives in Ghana. You know, a friend of mine was around a few days ago. Many of you, some of you saw him. So when I went to drop him, I was going back to the U.S. I went to drop him at the airport here. As I was just crossing with his bags, somebody just shouted his name. So he looked. There was one guy sitting inside the vehicle there. Ah! They greeted each other. They both live in the same area in the U.S. He said, oh boy, what are you doing here? So he turned to me. He said, this is the guy I've been telling you about. He told me that one of his friends had been buying property all over Enugu. And the guy said, I beg, I'm going home. Young guy, he said, doctor. So I, we talked, you know. He asked me a few questions. You no, know, we're just talking. So he said that, no, he said, this is the way, man. Ah, the guy said, ha, you travel a lot. He said, you have to come and put your feet down because, you know, I'm coming back. Moving his wife, his children, coming back. You'll see where I'm going in a moment, all right? I realized something. That, listen, the advancement people thought they made against discrimination, it kind of is not advancing as fast as they would have wanted it to. And I thought about it, and I realized, oh, I think I know what happened. This is what happened. Listen to me. And that's why I'm talking about it. There is no, f- now listen, there is no freedom outside Christ Jesus. If you're under the curse of Noah, as a group of people, you are there. The only deliverance is in Christ. Human beings don't become modern and let you go. No. Slavery benefits them. Even if they tried to, you couldn't go. Because it's a spiritual force that keeps people under. I told you, the day I went to Cape Coast in Ghana, I went to the 
the, the places where they used to ship slaves from. They killed Cape Coast Castle and the Elmina Castle. I still have the pictures, you know. I bought the, the uh, brochure, you know. And we're taking around and they showed us this dungeon where they used to keep slaves and all of that. And our guide said, and he showed us that the dungeon at the Elmina Castle was directly beneath the Anglican church. In that their small fort, they had a church inside because you know, they had to build you know, protection for themselves and that area apart from the locals but against invading um, other whites and other Europeans. Okay? So they had a fort, they had, they had a, a church inside there. So he was trying to show us the hypocrisy that men were inside church while other men were inside the dungeon. And I turned to somebody beside me I said, <laughs> he doesn't understand anything. He's just a tall guide. If he understood anything, he would know it is because of that church that it's not a tourist attraction today. If that church was not there, it would still be a vibrant trading, slave trading zone hundreds of years later. Don't laugh at the church. It's not hypocrisy. It was God's medicine to end slavery. The Lord planted a church inside that castle, yes. Beholding slaves, don't worry. And believing the Gospels. Believing, reading the epistles. Eventually, slave trade will end. That's how it works. Now, this is the problem. When you now end slave trade, the people now feel strong and think that it is modernity that ended slave trade. They think it's natural for it to end. And God said, you don't understand. The only reason why Martin Luther could have a dream, do you get my point? Is because of Jesus. Were he not for Jesus, he would just be having nightmares. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said, you don't get it. You will return to slavery if you don't continue to advance the cause of Christ. That's the point I'm making. Men became free. They don't know what freedom is for. You are free to worship. You are free to serve. You are not free to return to bondage to sin. Because sin as a law always puts people eventually in physical bondage. Every place they've denied God, forget what the news is saying. The reality is that everybody is going crazy there. The reason why human beings will remain sane, why societies will remain ordered, is if they continue to maintain the knowledge of God. I'm talking about Africans, so let me, not, let me stick with it. There are people who have other things to hold on to. Noah had four sons, remember that? No, three sons, right? Shem, Ham, Japheth. It was Ham he placed his curse upon. That Moses wrote as cursed be Canaan. But we know it applied to Cush, Put, Mizraim, and Canaan. The Canaanites are gone. Israelites so wiped them out. Essentially, I don't think they exist anymore. Here, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all those ones. David made the summary of some of them later. When he took Jerusalem, he used to belong to the Jebusites. Kick everybody out. But the cause is not gone. The other ones still exist. Many of the descendants are still hanging all over African countries and scattered in Asian countries. That is why they, do, they can't have good roads. The other descendants, they have things to hold on to. Sometimes they don't even believe in Christ, but there is a remnant of a blessing that Noah left with them. Some of them, descendants of physical descendants of Abraham, who is a descendant of Shem. So you just see those things hanging around. They develop, they organize a the society. 
but try as you want. Once you leave these, my brothers here, on their own, everything collapses. It's called bondage. It's called oppression. It's called satanic stronghold. Now, I'm not trying to amplify that. I want to emphasize your duty and mine. We are light bearers to claim the generation of people that Jesus died for, for him. Are you getting my point? We need to claim them for him. We need to claim the land upon which they walk for him. So it is not a big deal. We are not surprised that they don't have good government. We are not surprised they don't have good roads. I said when Southern Sudan took off, I laughed. I felt bad in my heart. They gave them $58 million to start a whole country. Greece, in one tranche of bailout of which there are at least three tranches were collecting about $200 billion. About 100 and something billion. And I shook my head. I said, poverty is a bad thing. I want to see the face of that man. What's the name of that man that sits in Juba? With his funny hat. Just say this one. Just see his face. See that his black face? No Satan. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe I have the sending of spirits. I don't know. <laughs> no one's just sit there. They have not had any peace. No wonder they give them $58 million to start a whole country. Wait, what would you even use to buy uniform for your police? <laughs> to take off a whole government. You don't blame United Nations or the Europeans who get $58 million. If you give them more than that, they will, get, they will go mad. They are slaves. It's a spiritual problem. They are your brothers and mine. We are like that. It's a spiritual matter. But what am I talking about? The deliverance is where? In Christ. But the emphasis for today is the people of Christ, the church of Christ, they are the light bearers to effect the deliverance. That's why we don't run easy. I told you when I came to Enugu that time, I heard all kinds of things. They said, I'm robbers. Are pl-. They, they were plenty in Enugu that time. I don't know how many of you remember. Like 15 years ago. And I used to prophesy. I said, which one of them did God send to this city? None. I said, I was sent by God. I am not going. They will all perish. I will remain. They have all perished. I'm still remaining. Why? I'm a light bearer. There are things I think about. Okay? Now, I know I will sound pompous. I know I will sound arrogant. But let me say it. One day I Now, Lord, please have mercy. If it is arrogance, let's talk about it later. I just want to explain something to your people. <laughs> One day I sat down. And I told myself, Apostle came with you. I said, if I did not come to Enugu or people like me, Namde Kano will have started another war here and it will have taken off. I know I sound arrogant. I reasoned about it. Because I talked to all my brothers who are pastors. Once, you, once they open their mouth, you know, war. <laughs> once they open their mouth, it's war. I looked at this people. I told my wife, thank God we came here. I said, no, look at divine wisdom. Because that's how I was fighting people. You may think it's a small thing, but we just sit down, we are declaring the word. That's how the word works. It works, you speak into the atmosphere, people pick them up, they go to their homes, argue with their friends. You see what I want to get to? They have the basis for prayer. You see, I will talk about it. You cannot, you can't say any effective prayer unless there is hope in your heart. Paul 
Never used to pray for anybody until he hears of your faith. Read it. Go and read your Bible. You think Paul will sit down there and be praying? You will first come and tell him, those people love the Lord. He says, that so? Ever since I heard of your faith, I have not ceased. doesn't pray for serious people. <laughs> no, go and read all the letters of Paul. That's how you should start. I heard of your faith, then I began to pray. I don't have time to waste. I can't pray on those who are not taking the word of God seriously. I don't have time to pray for those they need to beg to come to church. Even the man that took his father's wife, he was still coming to church. If he wasn't coming, think Paul had his time. Listen, Paul took Mark on missionary journey. Mark said, he went back home. Then the Lord now ministered to Mark. He reconsidered himself, came back to ministry. He came to join Paul. Paul said, we forgive you. Let's go. He said, you? You're not going with me. How? Barnabas said, the boy has repented. Paul said, he's unreliable. Barnabas said, let us help these young people. You need to strengthen them. You know what Paul said to Barnabas? I don't have the time for babies. I have a serious work ahead of me. Tomorrow night, you tell me he has a headache. Paul said, Trophimus, I have left sick in Melitus. He was going, one of the boys first sick. He said, stay here, let's continue going. He said, you think I have his headache? I have his time. Paul said, I want to pray for you. He first showed me signs. It's a man that understood God. You cannot pray effectively unless there is hope in your heart. You see why most Nigerians who say they are praying, they are not praying, they are talking. Nobody is listening to them. I know I may sound arrogant by that statement I made, but that's the reason why I made it. Because I realized that, listen, you must understand, read my book, what I call Echoes of Accusation. When you hear people talking, you didn't understand my point? That time, the candle was going on talking. I said, guys, don't be deceived that this man is fighting for anybody's rights. This is Satan trying to use a man to create trouble for all of us again. That was why one brother, when he first started, one brother walked up to me here. I can't even remember who now. He said, sir, I need to talk to you. I said, what is going on? He said, there is trouble out there. We need to pray. I said, what trouble? He said, have you listened to so-and-so person? I said, no. Then I turned to you that day. Then you began to tell me the things that the man has been saying. And we said, no. Following week, we brought it up to the matter of prayer. Two weeks later, the Lord was very good. He walked down to Nigeria. God took him and put him in a cooler for the next almost two years. He came out of the cooler. <laughs> he started again. He started again. We looked and said, Lord, help us now. God said, all right, fine, no problem. Then he disappeared. You have not noticed? It's not his physical disappearance that impresses me. It's the way God poured a coat. God just poured peace everywhere. Even his followers stopped talking. I went to Nature one day. I saw one guy. Huh? I said, oh boy, you'll be like Biafran. <laughs> he, was also, he was helping my wife out, out with something. <laughs> the guy said, I've got that one before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, when you see him, he was wearing the you know, paraphernalia. He had some things. Ah. He looked, he said, Gabriel, not talking aloud, though. You know, like, I beg, I don't want trouble for my soul, I beg. Let me hustle, make some money, I beg. Forget all of these things. Now, but what came to my mind is that, ha, and listen to me, Lord, please, like I said, I'm not bragging. Many of you know, you know me enough. 
Me? I had, well, God poured, yes, that's better. Absolute faith in my heart. Concerning the country, concerning the region, concerning the unity. I will drag. It's gone. I'm here. You are not coming to wake up and disrupt the progress that God is bringing upon people. You can't, listen, God is blessing us and he will continue to. You're not pushing us back. I'm talking about the power of light. That's what I'm talking about. We take light, we go out to go and shine. Because, listen, I was talking about that slavery thing. When people stop, when they become become too free and too happy, they will return into bondage. I was just thinking about it. So much noise about discrimination in the United States against black people. The ones moving to Africa, they said they are tired of being second-class citizens. And I thought to myself, why? They thought progress could be made without the gospel advancing. So once the the nation starts sleeping on the matter of the gospel, bondage will return. Discrimination will return. Judgment will start. I'm going to emphasize something here. Listen, this light of Christ, this life of Christ that is in us, that's supposed to shine from inside us as light into the environment, is the only hope. Listen to me. Like somebody said, 500 Buharis cannot fight corruption in Nigeria. They can't. When I insult Buhari, he are not fighting corruption. I said, do you think he can fight it? Go, go follow it. The men he surrounded himself with, he has sacked men. Because the degree of integrity that he wants hmm, is too hard for him to find enough people to fill the positions available. It's not a joke. Listen. It is not a joke when God said to Abraham, if I find 50 righteous people, do you think I will have come down? Now, you see the way I twisted it. So if I found 50, Abraham said, if you find 50, if you find 50, we destroy the people. You know what God said? Now, I want to read it banky way. God said, if I thought there were 50, you think I will have come here? But the way he answered Abraham, I won't destroy for 50. For 50, I will leave it. He said, what if I have 45? God said to Abraham, if there were 45, I had other things to do. I would not have come. That's what they did until they got to 10. God said to Abraham, listen, you don't have 10 righteous people in those four or five cities. You know about Sodom and Gomorrah, the whole plain. There were about two two or three other towns there. He said, they are not up to that. Let me prove it to you. God walked up and down and showed to Abraham that even Lot's wife, I couldn't count her. That even Lot's wife. And when he was talking about righteous people, he wasn't talking about those whose hearts were pure. Just deeds. Just refuse to agree that it is right for a man to marry a man. Just refuse. Just vote against it. That's what God was saying. Australia conducted the first homosexual marriage about two weeks ago. And they said it is progress. <laughs> Let me give you the word of the Lord. It is progress towards judgment. It's progress. It's towards what? That's the question. What am I saying? Back to our issue. We have a head of state fight corruption. I said, you think he can fight corruption? He can't. Do you know why? Everybody around him in the country, they are corrupt. Now, please, I use everybody. You get my point. I don't mean you or me. I'm just talking about as a group of people. They are corrupt people. Most people making noise about corruption. The reason why they are making the noise 
is because they are not in the position to benefit from the corruption. The noise about corruption for them is, when it's when will it be my turn? And God sees the heart. And it is worse. He says something. That the eye is the light of the, the, of the body. When the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Because then the country said the church is the light of the nation. And when the church in you, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness in that country? Now, please, I'm explaining something here. The President Buhari is not able to fight corruption. He doesn't have the power. Not because he doesn't have the intention, but because these are spiritual battles. And corruption ruins countries. It does. When everybody is corrupt, they don't make progress. Why? They misuse resources. A bribe removes wisdom from the wise, so that even when he's doing his own personal business, he becomes stupid. So the whole place is a mess. Now, what am I talking about? You want corruption to go out, it goes out only because you and me, we start doing what we are supposed to do. Wiping out corruption is a, an assignment of the church. It's not an assignment for APC or Buhari. So stop all this criticism. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. You are asking him to do a job he cannot do. He wants to do it, but he can't do it. Whose assignment is it? Yours and mine. It's our assignment as a church. People are making noise. And when I saw Christians making noise about heads, men killing. <laughs> I just shook my head, especially preachers. I said, why don't you teach your people right? People told me that uh, Christians in the, Old, uh, in the Bible, they were talking about uh, government things. I said, okay. One of our brothers said that the apostles commented on when things were happening. I said, okay, what, where is their comment? I collected it and pasted it. I said, what was their prayer? Kill all the Islamic headsmen? No. They said, God, next time they threaten us like this, please do miracles. Let healings occur. Yes, that's what they said. When we mention the name of Jesus, let blind see. Let the lame walk. Let fantastic things start happening. What were they saying? If, it were, if they were the ones praying, he said, it is time to start crusading in Benue State. If they were the ones praying. Please, I'm explaining some principles here. You find out, therefore, that God, ha- listen, that the Lord will redeem the people, let's take our country, a nation like ours. He said, no, he said, oh, listen, guys, it is your job. If all of you escape to where things are good, I will not do anything. I will wait for another generation. All your negative prophecies will continue to come to pass. And as I said by saying that, look, people of God, see your lives as an assignment. Water is not flowing. It's not a big deal. Listen to me. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. See your lives, all right, as assignments that God has given, that is the light bearers. Each one of us, we are supposed to go and redeem the nations that are under a curse. Let's talk about my African brethren. They're under a Look, listen, you can't reason it away. There's no other explanation. Ian Kass said something once I was talking about it. I never even understood it that day until he said it. We we're talking, we we're just talking about, I was just talking about how Nigeria can develop, we can do this, we can do this. I said, look, all this noise about Europe and North America, I like, that we should look into Africa. I said, we can export to places like, and I opened my mouth and began to display ignorance. I said, we can export to places like, um, what's the name of that largest country in Africa? 
Is it Congo? Yeah, no, it's one of the largest. It's very big. No, Congo is big. It's like three times size of Nigeria. Oh, you don't know? Huh? No, there are two Congos. Congo. Uh, so, which one is it? DRC. Uh, that's, that's what they used to call Congo Kinshasa. That's one that has Kinshasa. Uh, so, I was, I, was just, I was just mentioning it. He didn't say something to me. <laughs> he said they can't afford it. Now, he said they don't have. Now, listen to me. Natural resources. Congo is one of the richest countries in the world. Natural resources. Every mountain they have all. They have a lot of copper. They have a bauxite. They have all kinds of things. So Yekasi told me that they said no, that they can't absorb. If you like producer, they can't absorb it. That they don't have an economy big enough for you to export to. And that's how it is with most African countries. Listen, by the time you remove South Africa, Ghana, um, Nigeria, and Kenya, I'm talking about, no, I'm not, forget um, North Africa, those are basically Arab countries, you know, you know, Egypt, all those people. I'm talking about um, South Saharan Africa. There's, there's next to nothing. Sometimes we talk about poverty. African poverty is an annoying form of poverty. You see, what do I mean? You see, when you want to be poor, there are, two re- there are a few reasons on earth why you are allowed to be poor, physically speaking. One, that not an individual now, a group of people. One, farming. No rain, no water. The land is dry. The earth is scorched with the sun. Vegetation disappears. Animals begin to die. That is a correct physical reason for poverty. Two, Natural disasters, earthquakes, volcanic eruption. It just disrupts equilibrium all over the place. Then three, another reason is when you have um, what, what, uh, uh, um, diseases, plagues, serious problems like that. These are the things that are allowed to keep people in poverty, physically speaking. But not the interesting part, you will get to my beloved African countries. They will have none of these three, they will be poor. Rain is falling. No natural disaster. No special diseases. Just the one they are used to. <laughs> no serious plague. Why people out all of a sudden? Yet they are poor. What is poverty? Listen, it just means that they can't get no food. The earth is fertile. Rain is falling in its season. Yet they are hungry. That will let you know that Poverty, no be ojulaso. Say that in English. Don't be ordinary eye. Now, poverty is not, it's not a physical thing. Do not be making noise. The white men came to loot our continent. Are you not happy he looted it? Did you not hear Jesus say that take from him that doesn't know what to do with it? And give it to him that has ten. While looting it, he left you some development. I heard an architect say that there was no story building in the whole of Africa until a white man came. While we had some of the tallest trees in the world, our local tree was growing as if it was in Babel. <laughs> yeah, it didn't cross our minds that we could put a building on top of another one. They tell me they looted. Looted what? What were you doing with it? They've gone since. What have you done with it? One day I saw um, this, this bishop from Zimbabwe. He was talking about other Zimbabwe or Congo, copper mines. How they gave one foreign country the mining rights 
for maybe something like $60 million. And those ones made the money in less than two years. Yeah, they had the rights for maybe 15 years. And he was getting angry that he now made a statement. He said, prayer is not in the success equation. I said, Bishop, come here. <laughs> I feel like, okay, prayer is in the success equation. I didn't feel bad. Listen, the Bible says, anger lies in the bosom of fools. That is, when you have understanding, something you just be cool about. I said, it is better. Look, look. Let the man come there and mine the copper. Let them carry it away. What is he doing for anybody anyway? Paradventure in the process. A few people will develop with them. Paradventure, their men will bring some wealth down and help the area develop. The poverty is spiritual. I, I will sit down and say, what? if you are poor, listen, I'm telling you, Congo has one of the, it's, it's a very massive country. It's much bigger than Nigeria. No Sahara Desert there. It has hills, according to the Bible, from which you can dig iron, dig copper. Yet everybody is poor. That's, that's why God said, arise, shine. You that your light has come. You need to arise and shine. You need to. Otherwise, there is no hope. Yeah, you can go to the US. You can go to Europe. You can go everywhere. But at the end of the day, nobody will redeem the land that you have left behind. Nobody. I hope you are getting my point. I'm trying to emphasize something to us. First, understand our life no be joko. An assignment. When you start a school and you start teaching, realize that I'm not here to make money. I'm here to redeem a people. When you start doing business, realize that it's not about money. I need to redeem a people. So that's why you start having ideas. Look, that's why, look, when it comes to preaching, one day I was going to the U.S., my friend said, ah, that was my first time. Are you sure you're going to come back? I said, come back? Why won't I come back? You know, there are thoughts that have never crossed my mind. There are thoughts that have never danced around my compound. They don't even come down my street. I stayed for about five weeks then. At the end of the first second week, I wrote the days remaining to go back home down. I was taking them on a daily basis. I'm not kidding about that. I used to do crazy things like that when I'm bored. People come back. I don't understand. I left my wife in Nigeria. I won't come back. Some people are very funny. <laughs> they will travel without wife, without children, go to America with visiting visa. They now won't come back, which means they can't come back. It did not take them three years to see their wife again. Please, oh, I don't know how your own life be. Oh. This guy, baby, three years. <laughs> Do, you know I can't try it. I like the way he can home that place. The way he cleared his truth, he understands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just leave it like that. <laughs> Some people are strong. Anyway, my friend said like that. I said, come back. I said, what are we talking about? I don't say, you know I have a ministry. You know I made a statement. Say, my brother, ministry is in America too. <laughs> you know, my own, you know. <laughs> and I wondered. Now, what am I talking about? I'm like, ministry is not just preaching. Ministry is reaching a people. I said, what am I going to preach to the people? I'm not saying it's bad. I've got their preachers there. I said, I have a message that I'm supposed to declare from this platform, from this region, from this country. 
I can't, I can't, I can't preach it from elsewhere. I can't. We have a message that will redeem people. We have a message, listen to me, that will develop a country. We have a message that will change people's mindsets. Without their mindset being changed, the redemption that God has even given the ones that believed, it will not count on this earth. It may count for eternity, but it won't count on this earth unless their minds are changed. I have a message to preach, and we all have it. We have an assignment to tell the world that the black people have indeed been redeemed. Have been redeemed. That means they can do things, because actually they can Ah, we're talking about preaching. One of my brothers, one of our brothers, Pastor Max, he goes to, you know, Rwanda. One day I asked him, I said, what's the difference between Rwanda and Burundi? He said, the major difference is that Burundi is extremely poor. They are bo- in both countries, you have Tutsis and Hutus. Listen, when he goes to Rwanda, listen to me. You know the truth? And I want to tell you, understand what mission is. They pay for everything from here. Everything. They are going to those countries. Pays for everything from here. And the last time he and I were talking, I said, you need to start teaching them how to give. I said, don't place a burden upon them. I said, they have to start with simple things like, you buy your ticket, let them arrange hotel accommodation. Because for now, he pays. I said, no, you have to win them off it gently. I said, for now, even if they can't pay for the hotel accommodation, let them pay for food. I said they have land. They work in farms. It can't be so bad they can't bring fruits. I said start teaching them that they need to minister to those who have brought them the word of God. I said it's a great disservice that many people did to us before. We thought the gospel comes free of charge. So that uh, uh, John Gilly preached and preached till his wife died of hunger in a fertile land. So it doesn't make sense. The point I'm making is that, listen, down there, look, me, that's where my passion is. I said, I will play with him. I said, next time you are going, let me know. We need to go to Rwanda. There's one of our sisters, a few of them will just gather themselves and go there and go and pray. They just go to some of these African countries just to go and pray. So they will walk around the cities, just be walking around, praying on the streets. After that, they bought planes and come back home. Listen. That's the mission mindset I want, us to, I want us to have. Whether you are preaching or you are a business person, that's the mindset you must have. Now listen, I'm not here to enjoy life, but that I will not show that Jesus died and redeemed this race. No, it will not happen. So when I'm making choices, sometimes, look, you will suffer. Look, look, that's what I want you to understand. You will have less money than your colleagues in Europe. That's how it is with those who are on a mission. That's the way their life is. Let's get it clear. And please, you know what I wanted to preach again today? I wanted to do it last time. I didn't get there. But the Holy Spirit got me on this one today. And I want to close now. I've not gotten there. But I'll start it again today. So I want us to bear it in mind. You, it, our life is an assignment. Our assignment is to remember, look. We have to push the light of God into this continent. We have to. We have, it's not about church building. It's not about recognition. One of the things we're going to see later, and I want every Christian to, every Christian to understand, you, know, you have to go home, settle down, and ask yourself, how am I preaching the gospel? It's a question you must ask. How am I spreading the light of Christ? No, it's, it's important. 
This year you will not pray any prayer of God, give me food. He says, seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness. I will add other things to you. He will. It's a question you need to ask. How am I preaching the gospel? The work I'm doing. Okay, is it, is my duty to make money? Then you have bought a job. It's called the ministry. The, he that give it. It's a ministry. It's a ministry. But you start looking for how do I push truth with my money? How do I push truth with the work I do? There are people that you don't need money. You have a good job. Eh? But you are going to start a business. You resign that good job just so that you can preside over an empire where you have a mouth to tell people what to do. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because I need to teach people how to live their lives if they are working for me. That that would just be the assignment. Why? Because I want light to penetrate. It's very important. You see, all the noise we're making, listen, I was telling you something earlier about Namdi Kano and stuff like that. When people are shouting, uh, what do you call it? Islamic hezmen, hezmen. I said, look, don't let Satan deceive you. This thing is always showing his head in different places. He showed his head at Boko Haram. He's the same spirit. He's not Islamic headsman. He came to IPOB. He went to Niger Delta uh, what the name of, uh, Avengers. Now he's doing Lassa Fever. Are you getting my point? He's the same spirit. Our end adversary, the devil. He's the same spirit. So don't let it distract you. People be forwarding funny prayers. Now, what am I going to say? Listen. Let's not be visceral in our reaction. Let us go and pray. Everybody wants what? Peace. Including people who are fighting. You know, sometimes they're Christians that you don't understand. They are here making noise. The people are fighting. They are praying against you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They think you are the enemy. And that's how Satan would turn the heart. No, it's in the Bible like that. When the curse of God is working, brothers turn against brothers. They will finish themselves, destroy themselves. At the end of the day, they now realize that this was needless. Twelve men in Israel stood against twelve men from Judah. And with a stroke of the sword, they killed themselves. Twenty-four men died before their eyes opened. We are fighting evil spirits that are trying to keep the nation down, keep the people in bondage, stop the advancement of the gospel. We are supposed to go to Marco the last Sunday. We got a call, please don't come. Can you see what is happening? Why? They said the police said nobody should go out. They didn't officially declare curfew. They just advised everybody, please stay indoors. So our brethren there called us and said, please, don't come. So we all start in Enugu and allowed one day of darkness without light shine. <laughs> Do you understand? The gospel will have preached that day. Let's understand what we are fighting. We are not fighting people. We are fighting spirits that said that our redemption will not manifest. Like I said, the thing I want to preach, which I said I will start, they will finish it again. I hope the Lord allows me. Is that for us to understand that the first and most important contribution we have to our country, to the continent, to our region, to our people, our friends, our companies, is faith. We must contribute what? Faith. They are going to call you foolish. They are going to insult you. My classmates called me Buhari Din. Yes, that I'm always defending him. And I told them that for those of you who are always accusing him, what have you done for him? I said, I said your type, there are plenty. People are angry. <laughs> People are angry everywhere. From the north to the south, from the east to the west. People are angry everywhere. And listen to me, 
God said, if there is no faith, I can't bless anybody. Not, I just, I don't, not just I, I don't. I can't. When the Son of Man returns, that was the question he asked. Will he find what? Faith on the earth. If he doesn't find faith, he can't help them. What Satan tries to do, therefore, is to ensure that the people don't have any faith. They don't have any faith. They're angry. They've lost hope. I told you earlier. Without hope, you can't pray effectively. So if people say that this country is finished, their prayer is wiped out. When they go to church, don't bother praying. Don't bother praying. I told you, I was talking to one of our sisters. She said there was massive investment she needed to make in one of our Nigerian cities, but there was a lot of trouble there. What started is that they came to Enugu, and they saw that Enugu was very peaceful, that God granted us peace. You know this Enugu, people like it. When they come, you see all of us jogging at 5 a.m. Both the slim and the fat, everybody's jogging. <laughs> the other day I was driving my children to school. You know, my small boy, Victory, has a very sharp mouth. He said, Daddy, I have noticed that these slim people are the ones running. The fat people are the ones walking. <laughs> he said, but they are the ones that need to run now. That was his question. <laughs> I said, Victory, let's go to school. Leave that side. <laughs> In, in Enugu, you know, we're driving past Okpara Square. So all kinds of people running up and down. That's Enugu for you. So my sister asked that day and said, ha, is this my place? Is it worth this investment? Because it was a lot of money. So I said, we'll talk. So when I saw her, I said, listen. I said, my sister, money is just money. You can lose it. Not a big deal. I said, but if you don't invest it, you have condemned the land. So I said, please invest the money. It's called digging in as a military man. I said, your investment in the land is a statement you are making to God that this land matters to you. I said, you can lose the money. What's the big deal? It's money. But at least don't get to heaven. And you, had, you will say to God, I did not try to redeem my land. I don't know whether you are getting my point. The day of the judgment seat of Christ. So what happened to that? Your thing? <laughs> Lord, they were kidnapping there. I checked the money, 50 million. I said, no. So what happened to it? I kept it in the bank. It's safer. But God said, what about the job I gave you to do? You were supposed to plant that money there and risk it. Yes, it's a risk. But by the time you plant your 50 million in a land and they are kidnapping there, you know you will not run. How can you run? You will come to church say, Pastor, let us pray. The rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. In the name of Jesus. It's 50 million that's provoking. <laughs> Your faith is being provoked. I'm telling you, and that's what God wants. So tie that fellow there, it's not going anywhere. Then you will pray. And listen to me, and the Lord will answer. That's what I want you to understand. Then you will pray, and the Lord will answer. What am I trying to explain? That we need to pour faith into our environment. People are going to call you names, but brethren, the first thing God is asking for you is, if your atmosphere around you is not full of faith, I can't bless anybody, I can't help anybody. So where would the faith come from? You know the Muslim won't give me faith that I can use. You know the atheist won't give me faith I can use. You know, the people that don't believe in God will not give me the faith I can use. They don't have the faith of God. How would they give me the faith I can use? So where do I get the faith I can use from? 
from my people. So I demand of them from now to be issuing faith regularly into the environment. They have to. Without it, there is no hope. Because if I come, I won't do anything. Many of them pray. They call me to come. I arrive. I don't do anything. Why? I didn't find faith anywhere. You've heard me say this before. Make Jesus head of state. He can't give you constant power. He cannot. Not for lack of power, but for lack of faith in the environment. Make him head of state. He cannot stop kidnapping. He can't stop corruption. Not for lack of ability, but because of what? Lack of faith. That's just the way it is. He went to his own hometown. He couldn't do any mighty work. He got to Bethesda in Mark chapter 8. I wanted to also read it today, but we don't have time. Maybe we'll get to it next time. All right? And they brought a man to him. Heal this one. He looked at them. He separated the man from them. Took that man alone. Took him outside Bethesda. He spat on his eyes. Put his hands on the eyes. And did one thing he never did any other time. He said, do you see anything? Jesus didn't use to ask funny questions like that. He used to tell people, arise, take up your pallet and walk. He used to look at eyes, be open, be cleansed. It was instructions, one after the other. But he looked at one man, touched him and said, come, are you seeing anything? That one looked. He said, I can see men walking around, but they look like trees. He said, good. The unbelief has gone down. They put his hand on him a second time. Then the Bible said the man now looked intently. The man had to force his eyes to focus. The unbelief in Bethesda was so bad. Jesus couldn't do anything. And I told the man, if you value your sight, don't enter that city, that village again. And the man turned around and walked away. And you know what he said? Woe to you, Bethesda. He condemned the city. Not just that village, but the whole environment. He condemned them. And that's it. Eventually, they disappeared. And they don't exist anymore. That's what unbelief does. So that's why, from today, if you are listening to this, not one word of criticism will fall from your mouth against the country or the head of state thereof. Not one word. You make excuses for everything. What option do you have anyway? So at least enjoy this one. Make enemies everywhere you go. When they say there's no hope for this country, one day one of my young doctors in the office said it. Said this country can't change. I said if it changes, you will not be blessed in it if you don't shut up. A student of mine came to my office and said Nigeria cannot afford uninterrupted power supply. I told him to get up and walk out of my office. The boy is dead today. Yes. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. I said, don't just open your mouth and talk nonsense. I I sit down and I look for the good things that are happening. And in case you don't know, good things are always happening. Good things are always happening. Some of us are, I don't know Dangote. You know, I, 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 if I see him on the street, it should take me a while to recognize him. But when I saw the adverts, Ademar is now recruiting engineers for his refinery. I rejoiced in the Lord. Yes. Let me, let, let me tell you the projections so that you can use it to pray. Because so I told you hope it gives you faith, right? That is an expectation. It allows you to stir faith in your heart and produce further hope for you. I've forgotten the exact amount, but he said he was going to be selling how many billions of dollars to CBN on a yearly basis? Six billion dollars. 
what he didn't say, which many of us know, is that he will wipe out one-third of our forex needs. That is, when he starts refining, we don't have to look for forex. 30% of our forex needs today will disappear. They will now have $6 billion to sell to CBN. What am I saying, my people? We need to contribute faith. See, we are, we are needed. We are on assignment. See, these black race, these African countries, they need us seriously. We need to start launching missions to the north, to Benue State. All these noises because of immorality. I'm telling you, adultery. That's why my headsmen are killing people. So if you want it to end, you start preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That's how you end the troubles in the country. Summary, we're on assignment. We're not jokers. We are needed. We make our decisions about how we are going to advance the course of redemption on this continent. I hope you've gotten my point. And don't forget, for this our country, contribute what? Faith. I want to start with a story. Let me, start with, let me give you the story and I will share the grace and go. I met a young woman once. I knew her for some time. No, we we're, were working the same place. After some time, I started praying for her. I felt sorry for her that your husband is in trouble. Why? Christian girl, good girl, very good. Good with a capital V. But she believed that every man commits adultery. Now, wow. I said in my mind, thank God God is not saying we should marry this person because you will lead us into adultery. We come into a home, you fill the air with negative, with unbelief. We will lose control. You don't know. Bethsaida, they couldn't get healed in Bethsaida. Listen, I've given an assignment. Go to your office. If anybody is staring, listen, you have to learn to fire staff. Anybody is pumping unbelief full in the air, call the person and say, I love you, but your unbelieving spirit is not good. Go. Very, very important. But you forget the other people, you, me. That's our duty. They were they happened to me yesterday. They said that somebody said that I'm my CMD's friend, you know, chief medical director. Say I'm his friend. I said, How am I my his friend? They say I'm always defending him. I said, Well, and I have access to him. Everybody said my CMD cannot be reached. So they laugh. Why? Because I said, I called him yesterday and he answered me. Sometimes he won't return my call. Who was I with? I was going to Newe one day. Who was I with? Yinka, was it you? Well, I was there, somewhere in Anambra, I was driving. I sat there to talk to my CMD. And I just stopped and I dialed the phone. He rang like three times and he picked, hello. And he said, my brother, how are you? I said, Oga, okay. I need to talk to you. He said, what is the matter? Are you in the office? He said, no, I'm in Abuja. I said, please. This, 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 and this, and that. They said, okay, I'll come back in two days' time. Please, bring it up again. So I just talked to my CMD. Ah. So when I tell people like that, they say, ha, ah, how come? He said, you're his friend. I said, no. I said, maybe because <laughs> I don't harass him the way the rest of you harass him. <laughs> when he sees my phone call, he's not afraid. I was HOD under him for three years, and I bragged on one thing. I never went to him with one trouble that I didn't have a solution for. I will go and say, oh God, I have this issue, this issue, this issue. Please sign here. This is the solution. Our fight used to be whether he will sign or he won't sign. He would say, let me go and study. I said, okay, what are you studying? I have studied it. Don't worry, just sign. 
The early days, he will refuse. He will collect the paper from me. I will not start fighting. You have not signed my paper. But I never went to him one day without a solution to the problem I'm presenting. I tell people, I say, what do I gain from joining the criticizing him like everybody? That's the point I'm making. My, doing, my having a positive attitude is not hurting anybody. But believe me, it actually has a positive influence in the environment. Let me end with this. Where is this Anian Bedgay again? Okay, see you there. Your pastor sent me a message one day. He listened to our message here. One message I preached. He now, called, he now sent me a chat. That that thing we preached here, they had it as a revelation in prayer. I was preaching something, I can't remember exactly what now, but this was what he told me. That they had the revelation that the president, that time he was sick, that they saw his back was full of arrows, and they looked, the arrows were coming from a church. And they realized that what the Lord was saying is that the Christians are killing this man. And so people began to pray, and they were pulling arrows out of his body. And when they removed them, that was when he recovered and returned. And the Lord commended those who prayed for him. So I preached that thing here. When he heard it, he, he just sent me a chat and said, Ah, Pastor, this thing you said, we prayed, we got it by revelation. This was the vision we saw of what you are talking about. You can't miss it obeying scriptures when it says you pray for your leaders. You can't miss it. You cannot miss it. Look, time has gone. Let's pray. Let's bow down our heads. Father, thank you. I don't even know what else to pray, but just pray. The word was coming to you. Just pray, say, Lord, thank you for insight. Thank you for understanding. Can you just turn to somebody, tell the person, I was blessed. blessed. What about you? you? Prophesy to somebody, you are an agent of change. You are an agent of of light. You are an agent of of faith. faith. Incidentally, the the series, we titled it Agents of Faith and Light. So you are an agent of faith, you are an agent of light. Through you, God is spreading his deliverance to the peoples. Through you, God is ending the crisis in Benue State. He's ending the crisis in Enugu State. He's ending the crisis in Taraba State. Through you, the light of God shining through you is ending the crisis in your office. This nation is blessed. Yes, it is is blessed. Now listen to this. You will enjoy that blessing in the name of Jesus Christ. Things just don't happen. It's faith that makes them happen. Because of your faith, you will enjoy that blessing. You and you, 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 the Bible said the husbandman that labors will be a first partaker of the fruit. That's what I'm telling you. You will enjoy this land. Amen. You will enjoy this country. Amen. You will enjoy this land. Amen. You will enjoy this country. Amen. Listen, from here, eh? this will be your hope. You will be moving all over the world and you won't feel the cost of it. Amen. There are people here that within the next five years, they will only be traveling business class. Amen. They are not proud though. They just need to sleep. You know what I mean by need to sleep? Yeah, they travel so much, they need to stretch the bed. And then from here, they will go all over the world. Amen. And they will bring wealth into this nation. Amen. And export blessings to many places. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I feel like telling you, you will not be average in this life. Amen. See, just don't make your needs the priority of your life. Make your mission the priority of your life. And as a result of that, you will not be average. Amen. You will not be average. Amen. You will be blessed. Amen. Don't worry. Financially, the Lord will settle you. Amen. You will have more than enough. Amen. Your beginning may be small, but your latter end will greatly increase. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just raise those hands and say, Lord, I thank you. Just thank him. Thank him because he's good to you.
Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have found.